It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. This is Class Racing Today podcast, episode number one of 2021. Happy New Year. Brian Anderson and Bobby Fazio have come together to create something special. <laughs> Welcome, gentlemen. It's 2021. Um, Bobby, you're on the, the, uh, the, the, uh, say the right coast. The, you're in New Jersey. Yes. Yes. Currently in New Jersey. Awesome. East coast. And, uh, Anderson, you are in, um, Millbank, South Dakota. Yes. Which is where we are located here in the studio. The best. That's a real West. place. Hey, now. Deep in an underground bunker. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> in the heart of Middle Earth. Um, I, but we wanted to take this show, uh, this first episode of 2021, and make it uh, kind of a, a, a get to know the show. Who are we? We, you guys, really. Um, how did the show come about and where you guys are seeing it uh, go in the future? Because uh, the amount of guests that you've been able to pull into the show already, I mean, it's been going for what three months um it's pretty impressive the fact that you've you're getting uh brian warner jody lang justin lamb um and bill bader i mean my goodness could you get i mean not to mention all the others that have been on and bobby was telling me the other day you've got a pile of guests waiting to come on the show that's phenomenal um i just want to start by Really digging into how you guys got into the this world of racing and um, and then how you hooked up to even come up with this concept of this show. So, Bobby, we'll start with you. How did you get into the racing world? Well, like 99% of the other stock and super stock racers, uh, my father got into racing. And I would go to the track with him ever since I was basically an infant. He raced uh, brackets, bracket racing, and he wanted to get into stock eliminator racing he had a 1966 ford ranchero but there was no class for that in stock so he and if i do backtrack he was supposed to be a mopar guy he wanted at 16 years old he wanted to buy a plymouth roadrunner and my grandfather wouldn't let him because his older brother had one and he was a little reckless with it and my grandfather thought you know what you know Bob, you're not getting a, a Plymouth Roadrunner. Here's a uh, Ford Ranchero over here this guy has for sale. Why don't you go get that? So my dad gets a Ford Ranchero while he's in high school, still has it to this day. And that's kind of how we turned into like this Ford family. So I blame my grandfather. We could have had we could have had Plymouths. He could have been more of a good Plymouth. He could have been more like Brian. <laughs> he could have been a cool guy, Bobby. <laughs> right? So <laughs> so my dad then um Races the Ranchero for a little bit. Then he gets a Ford Falcon, a 65 Ford Falcon from his buddy, who was basically like throwing it away like it was a junker. My dad took that car, turned it into a race car, and raced uh, Pro ET, it was called, at Maple Grove Raceway in Pennsylvania. Now, when you say gets the car, like given to him or did he buy it? Given to him. Given to him from his, it was his best friend who also lived down the street from him. So they, they I guess, pushed it into either my dad's driveway or he just worked on it in the friend's name was Albert in Albert's driveway. And my dad basically built the car in that driveway. And that became the, 
the family race car for throughout the late 70s into the late 80s when he sold it. And that's how we got our 65 Mustang that I run in Superstock now. My dad, uh, when I was in preschool, he and my next door neighbor drove, they hooked up an open trailer to this ugly green van that we used to have. And they drove out to Michigan to get this uh, Superstock Mustang. And dad raced that from, I guess, 87, 88, whatever year that was, he got it until 1992-ish. And he had a little success in it. It was a tough car. And my dad was only in his late 20s and early 30s when he had it. And um, then the car got parked. I was playing sports. My sister was cheerleading. Our mom was actually uh, got sick. So it was a, a family effort of us going to school, taking care of mom, and doing uh, our sports. So the race racing was like definitely put on the back burner. And that car sat in our garage under covers for uh, 18 years, I think it was. And when I was coming out of college, I kept saying to my dad, now me, I, I didn't know a whole lot. I was just like, hey, let's get that race car going. I always wanted to race. I we, we still always went to go spectate. And I really, every time we would go watching stock and super stock, I, I was like, we got to get that car back out. And everybody would ask us where the car is. And it was always the same answer year after year. Things sitting under covers, nothing's happened to it for a long time. So in 2005, um, our, my mom was very terminally ill at this point, and I was laying in a hospital bed with her, and I was the only one at the hospital that night. This was basically probably two weeks before she passed away, and I told her, I was like, listen, dad and I are going to get that car back out and running. What do you think? And she always <laughs> thought, oh, that car has been under covers for so long. Why don't you just sell it? Or like, what are you going to but then she was like, all right, we'll, we'll go for it, you know? <clears throat> so we did, and she passed away December 23rd, 05. We really started working on hard on that car probably in 06 and really took a couple years. We didn't get it out until 09. It still has my dad's, it says Bob and Rosemary on the window, never changed it. The paint job was still the same up until uh, last year. We finally had the car repainted, but it still had the stickers on it from the seventies. Like it was, it's still a tribute to her. And that is basically how I got started in super stock. And then after that, I bought my own Fox body Mustang that I now run in stock eliminator. And that's how I got started. I've been racing stock and super stock since 2009. You still have that old car. Yes. That dad still has his Ranchero. I am still racing the 65 Mustang and Superstock, and the car that I purchased, my 1990 Mustang, I'm still racing in uh, K-Stock Automatic. Now, um, was, was your dad a, a winner? He was... I mean on the racetrack. I'm not talking about uh, his personal <laughs> life. <laughs> he he um, won when he had Bobby. Right. Yeah, you know what? He Yeah, right? <laughs> he... Uh, he he did pretty well with the bracket racing. When he got the super stock car, he struggled. But um, at the at what's called was called the Budweiser Super Stock Nationals in 1989, which was a very very big divisional race at Maple Grove. You would even have uh, top fuel dragsters there. It was a very big event. Um, he won. He went the seven rounds. It it uh, he had to go, and he won that event. And I was there. And my sister were were there. I was six years old. 
and I consider him the winner. He won. He was getting his photos <laughs> taken. <laughs> he was holding his trophy. Budweiser gave us a, a, loaded a big case of beer into our ugly van. Like it was like the day of you know our lives, and um, they started tearing his car apart. Took his carburetor off. They were checking everything, and I believe the person that he beat in the final maybe protested the win. Still not sure to this day. Maybe we can get that guy on because he still races. We can ask him. But um, and they tore it apart. And they found tore, he, they he tore cheated? it apart. But they, in the end, they measured his wheelbase. Now the wheelbase has to be what it was from the factory. And for that car, I believe it's 108 inches. And his wheelbase on one side was 108.5 or something like that. It was like a half inch too long. Um, what? And they disqual and they disqualified him. Yeah. What cause? Um, what would cause that to happen? Just abuse or wear and tear in the car? I, I don't know. Cheating, I don't. Craig. He just he, <laughs> it's it was, cheating. Right? He just didn't check it. He you stretched he the, the one side of the car out. Are, uh, you 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 get a, a class car and you're so worried about the engine's got to be right, the mm -hmm. carburetor's got all this other stuff has to be right. And I just don't think he ever thought to check it. Hmm. And they said all you. They they always joked with him. All you had to do was put that car in reverse and do a hard launch, and that thing would have <laughs> would have went back into spec. And it was just, it really, it it was a kick in the nuts, you know. Like we, uh, they they took obviously they took his trophy away. They took his payday away, which is all you know. Come on, let's be honest. We were we were poor folk out there just trying to like <laughs> make a few bucks and. <laughs> That's all we care. Just give us the damn money. Like, right. <laughs> did he at least get to drink some of the beer before they confiscated nope, they it? They took the case. They even started taking the case of beer out of our van. You should have cracked and a few before. Somebody, so you just drive away. Somebody said, "Like, dude, just let the guy have a case of beer. Like, come on." <laughs> um, but I do want to commend, and I actually found recently, the owner of the track wrote my dad a letter. Mike Lewis, who who a lot of people might know, Bill Bader was talking about Mike Lewis recently. Um, wrote my dad a nice letter that said, you know, you, you've been coming to this track for a while. You're a good racer. We know that you didn't do this intentionally, and it's just unfortunate. And he actually uh, paid my dad, gave, uh, gave my dad a check for $600, which is what you got for runner-up money back then. I hope I'm not getting anybody in trouble with this. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought that from, from, from that day on, even though I was only six, five or six years old, I knew that that happened, and I always held that that guy, Mike Lewis, in high regards. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to question the racer that my dad beat in the final and ask him, like, dude, what, like, did you pro, like, what, what really happened? Not that I want to, like, yell it, I just want to know what happened. Cause when you're young, you know, you're, nobody's going to tell you the full story. So come on, I'm old now. I want to know. <laughs> it's totally way old. See, I, <laughs> I'm intrigued with that whole concept. How to get to where, you know what, we measured between these two tires. And you're a half an inch long. And that would be a disqualifier? Because what is it? You extra wear on that tire? What, what are they measuring? Axle to axle? They must be. They, uh, well, I believe, well, you're supposed to, yeah, center to center. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming, I mean, that's kind of hard. That's, that's subjective, who's, where you're putting the tape measure. So I believe they go from, like, the back edge of the front rim to the back edge of the rear rim. So you're trying to make it accurate by going from rim edge to rim edge. Oh, okay. Um, Would that ever be an advantage? 
by shortening up the wheelbase, you can move where the center of the weight is on the car. Uh, but the by one side only, though? Well, what you probably have is just, depending how the car was built or if something's out of alignment, I mean, one side probably no, but, you know, if things got worn or bushings got sloppy, you know, you could get some play probably. But yeah, people, not to mention, the guy just made 10 stick shift launches uh, in a row. Who I don't know if that, like, knocks a couple things out of whack or not. Well, I mean, and, and from that day thing, on, would, on would we check all this crap all the time. Would just do that? Just over time? Probably. It might have been like that hmm. from from when he it got it. It just got put it, together that way. Yeah, it was a it was a super stock car. It was actually a oh. record holder um, at one point because the, the gentleman that owned the car, I think it was two owners before us, sent us the certificate recently, ran into him, met him at Gainesville in 2015, and, and he was looking at our car and said, hey, I, I drove that car back in like the 70s, and so he had some paperwork on it. But the owner in between that owner and my dad, I think, was just a bracket racer, and mm. I don't think he cared. He didn't really care like how the car was because there there aren't strict rules like that in bracket racing. So, so he was in there tinkering with the length of the wheel wheelbase. I like it. <laughs> yes. Now the the gentleman that that my dad did race in that final. Just a side note, I had to race him in a quarterfinal in stock in 2015. I waited my whole life to race this guy. I hated this guy my whole life, and for no apparent reason. Like, I just thought he was, like, the bad guy, you know? And um, I was – I'll tell you what. People – I was – I couldn't sleep that night because I had him first thing in the morning on a Sunday. It was, like, fourth or fifth round. I forget. And I was texting my sister. I was like, hey, do you remember that guy from, like, 30 years ago, the one that dad, dad got disqualified? I have to race him. Tomorrow morning, <laughs> and <laughs> I fortunately I did beat him, so I was happy. I felt like I finally got my revenge. And then on top of that, I found out that the guy is like the nicest guy in the world, and I felt so bad that I like I, I had this that you, you know that you dislike for him? this guy all these years. And I I you know I met him, very very nice guy, and you know I always you know we're we're like Facebook friends now. Yeah. And uh, and I always say hi to him when I'm at the track. So I guess it was just something I had to just get out of the way. I had to, I just had to beat that guy, and we're cool now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but at least you're Facebook friends. We're Facebook friends now. I can like his posts. There you go. Without feeling <laughs> special. <laughs> <laughs> Without feeling like I'm trying to incite, right, like a, right. just poke him, <laughs> poking the bear. <laughs> we can't poke anymore on Facebook. That, that's true. Uh, Anderson. Uh, I, I recall, I've known you for several years now, um, I recall the day that you came, uh, you mentioned to me and said, hey, I just won this car. I want a race car. Don't worry, there's no engine in it, it's fine. Um, what year was that? Uh, I think it's three years ago. Was it? I was at a hockey game when I when I got the call. It was a, it was a raffle, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny because the guy had a, I used to have a cool car, a Mopar, of course, 68 Charger. <laughs> and then when I started my business, I sold that so I could buy a pickup that would run. And uh, I always kind of wanted something just to rip around on the street and maybe go to a racetrack once with it. Just So you get a drag car to rip around the street. Well, Perfect. I didn't realize it Any was... cops that are listening, watching, it's all right. He's, he doesn't mean it. I didn't Wait, really. Can I, what, what, Brian, what kind of. 
like it was a chance drawing that you entered, right? What was it, a fundraiser or what was going on? No, it was basically I just saw like I kinda like I love like the Gen 4 Trans Ams. Like I just that's probably like the budget, like the, the coolest looking budget muscle car that a person could get into cheap and they'd be kind of fun to drive. And I just saw a guy had a two thousand Camaro that had a IHRA crate motor in it, but he was gonna pull the motor out and they sold I don't remember how many tickets he sold, but I think it was $200 a chance, and I bought two of them. I figured, well, I'll throw $400 into this thing, and if I win it, great. Well, I didn't realize at the time that it was completely gutted, like no <laughs> wiring. I mean, it's basically a shell. The dash is hollow. Like, I thought, oh, I'll just throw a LS1 or put a little turbo motor in there. I'll have a really cool streetcar. Well, I didn't really plan on winning. I just thought I've spent $400 on dumber things, so I bought two tickets and didn't really think much about it. Like, oh, yeah, it'd be cool to win a car, but whatever. And I was actually at a hockey game for work. Um, we were in the box seats there in the cities watching this hockey game, and I get this text, like, I thought you were a Mopar guy. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I get another one, like, oh, boy, you went from Mopars to Camaros? Man, you must suck. And I thought, what is this? So I'm, like, trying to look through Facebook, and, of course, at those events, there's no service. Like, you can't open anything because everybody must be on their phones. And then, uh, yeah, because no one cares enough about hockey to watch the game. <laughs> true. <laughs> I would say, though, I'm not really into sports, but hockey is pretty fun to watch. But mm. on the side note, anyways, I find out that, yeah, they did a random number draw and my number got pulled and I won a car. Yay. <laughs> I told my wife, and she's like, no, you didn't. I kind of figured if I won the car, she couldn't tell me no. Like, you can't say no, you can't win that. So I thought this is a great way for me to get into something without my wife telling me I can't. <laughs> That's great logic. So, on the side note. Jessica, I'm sorry that you had to hear this. That's actually probably why I bought the tickets, because she will not let me buy a car, but if I won one, she could not not let me bring it home. You know, it's like a puppy. <laughs> so, I'm all excited, and I get in the trailer, and I drive down there, and then I realize that this isn't a car. This is a, a shell with a roll cage and a rear end, and he was going to sell the crate motor. I think he wanted, like, $4,000 for the motor, and... I'm like, I don't really want that because I'll just go buy a junkyard LS for like 600 bucks, put in there and just have something to run. And, and that's about the time John McLaughlin came in and says, hey, you should put a stocker motor in there. You can go stock limited racing. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. He's like, oh, it's awesome. You can do these big money races and you can still bracket race it and drive it around the street if you want. So that's where the spiral of my downfall came in, I guess. Oh, it's all four-speed Johnny's. Fault. Well, he did think it should have a stick, and I'm like, we just gotta keep it simple and cheap. But but do you say your downfall? Um, I recall the conversation <laughs> where you know this car will be worth more money with <clears throat> when it's put together and it works, it runs, it's a racer. And then the conversation after that that said, you know, once it's got some passes and has some you know some wins under it, then it's even more valuable. So apparently the car is for sale. Yes? No? Yeah, it's for sale. <laughs> See, yeah, right. <laughs> it's absolutely for sale. Everything's for sale. The uh, You know me, Craig. Everything <laughs> I, I have is for sale. Right. I sell everything before I buy it. For right. sale, not on sale. That's Well, th that's the reason you buy it, because you're going to sell it. Inherently, Maybe. Inherently, the problem is, is I had no idea what was How fun all, it would be? What was involved. Mm. And I made it about, the thing wasn't even running, and I would never even took it to the track yet. And I'm like... It already blew into about three times what I thought it was going to cost or entail. And at that point, 
it was in too deep. Like, I couldn't get money back out of it without it actually running and working. And, of course, it was slow, I think. I got it running, I think it was, must have been about three years ago in October, I think. Because I went to the little eighth mile track the first time I went down the track. Oh, I just spun the tires like crazy. Um, I think I went 7.10 in the eighth with it. Which is the fastest thing I'd ever drove, and it spun, and it was just a big squirrel going down the track. But I thought, oh, I gotta get that figured out. Then I went to another track, and tried to play with it a little bit, and like, oh, here you gotta adjust shocks. I'm like, what is that? Like, I literally knew nothing. I didn't even know how to stage the car. I didn't know how many yellow lights there were. But then, <laughs> made about five, six passes on it. So I probably put ten passes on it that fall, and then I entailed a another guy to kind of help me we built a anti-roll bar so we could get the thing to hook better and changed a few things and then yeah two years ago was the first time really drag racing i'd been to the track four or five times before that but it was kind of the first dive into class racing yeah and and then you uh come in showing me videos of you <clears throat> pulling wheelies in this thing and i will and say I, I have still yet to uh to to ride in that thing so one of these days we'll have to do that yeah that's that was definitely like i got sucked in it's like anything you know it's when you're just it can be really really frustrating like not knowing anything about it you spent all kinds of money and you're just terrible like i think the first year i went to probably i just followed the midwest class racers which was really awesome i'm glad i started that way instead of going to nhra stuff to be completely honest with you because it was super fun. Um, it also sucked because I think I went six races and I went to, I probably took it out four times before I ever made it out of the first round. Because it was Earlville, I made it finally out of the first round for the first time. And then of course I had to race Trista Fenner second round and she just destroyed me. But hey, we made it through round one. That was, <laughs> that was huge. And then I think I went to Kearney the last race of that year. I think we went three or four rounds, so that started to finally come around. That made it not quite so terrible, but yeah, I don't know. It's just the community and getting to know some people and the the whole camaraderie of the thing is what really kind of sucked me in. It, it's got to be something in there because it's so frustrating. Like you spend money and time, and it's time away from the family and time away from the kids, and you're trying to balance all that, and just to not really find success. I don't, I don't really know what drove me to try it again. To be honest with you, it was. Well, it, it's still new though, and you didn't race before. Like, I, I bracket raced for years before I, I ran like stock and super stock, so I knew what was going on before that. This was your first, you know, this was your entrance into racing, and you've only been doing it for three years. There's there's stocker and super stock guys. I've been out there for like thirty years that still haven't won anything. I mean, I think. The progress you made last year, I see you winning something soon or going deep, deep rounds this year and next year. Yeah, I think I kind of have unrealistic expectations in just about everything I do. So it's kind of a personality flaw. Like my wife gives me a hard time all the, like, oh, yeah, I want to fly a spaceship. Sure, let's figure it out. And <laughs> I have no real skill level or <laughs> sense of common sense when it comes to that stuff sometimes, but. I don't know, I like dissecting it down. Like, what are the small pieces to put together? And I think maybe just trying to figure it out is what fuels me. Um, my brother's raced, and he's three years older than me, and he's always been better at everything. Like, I don't sport. Like, 
if you want to get a good laugh at the racetrack, try to throw me a football or ask me to throw it back because I can't throw. I can't catch. I hate all sports. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're working on your long-range lead throwing, though. Yeah, I can shoot and I can run, but that's really my only, <laughs> like, but I just, yeah, I don't do the sports thing, but I do find the competition just really drives me. I mean, it's fun to break things down and try to put the pieces together and, you know, I guess maybe it's the journey of sucking less every time is what I find so fulfilling. But but see, the, the you don't sport is probably true in the traditional sense. Uh, but just a couple of years ago, uh, I heard, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was out at this all-night training, and I we, we were trying to do this raid, this mock raid, and uh, I went to pick up this guy, and my leg just quit working. It just gave out. My My leg just quit. And then I thought, that's stupid. I picked, tried again, and I fell down to the ground. Why? Why was that, Brian? Oh, wait, you blew your knee out <laughs> in a Go Ruck event <laughs> carrying oh. a guy. <laughs> oh, Craig, you're that's, deeping into the graveyard. I like you? it. <laughs> so how did you get into the uh, the idea of um, the self-defense world and um, just a little bit of the... Well, the Go Ruck is basically, so I was really fat and out of shape. I guided, I spent most, before I had my business, I basically spent about 20 years guiding waterfowl and pheasant hunter and deer hunters. And as a runner through high school, I was always skinny. You know, I graduated high school at 120 pounds. I've been six foot tall since I was a freshman. So I was always able to run and push endurance. And then as you get married and have kids, the next thing, you know, I found myself at 265 pounds my knees hurt my back hurt I was going to the chiropractor about every probably twice a week almost to get put back in and he said you know if you get some exercise you can actually hold your body together and you won't have to come see me anymore (laughs) and I thought if I really gotten that fat and lazy like how did that happen (laughs) so I kind of changed my diet that would have been probably 2009 no, it'd have been. I take that back. It'd have been 2012. I quit drinking pop. I haven't had a pop since, and went to just meat and veggies. And I dropped 65 pounds in about three months. And really liked the fitness. Really liked training. Actually went and got certified in kettlebells. Actually, when I moved to Mitchell or Millbank here, I did have a fitness class I put on for a little while. Um, I really enjoy the self improvement in that. And then got into this association called Go Ruck, where it's basically, they do like a light, which is like eight hours, and then the, the tough was 12, and they do a heavy, which is 24 hours. And you basically do this event with 35 pounds in your back and a backpack. So it's, it's pseudo-military training. Yeah, it's actually led by ex-special forces um, people. Um, but it was really fun. Like the thing I liked about it is you go up, you show up with 10 strangers or 20 strangers and for 12 hours, you basically just get pummeled. You spend an hour doing various PT things that is totally unattainable and they're yelling at you. <laughs> and then you like that. <laughs> and it's just complete misery. But the thing that I liked about it is you get to watch people just completely break down all the physical barriers and it just becomes a mental game. Like they're not going to kill you. And that's what I would always tell people like, what kind of business plan goes, hey, we're going to try to kill 10 of these people that think they're tough. You know, you break it down and just see that people mentally tough. And it's fun watching people that, you know, I wasn't in that good of shape, but you'd find some people that were even worse off than me, but their mind just never quits. And that's what really kind of drove me to it. Like, 
I'm not a physical specimen by any means, but I got to be pretty mentally tough. And that's is the distance running part of me. Like if I can make it a mile, I haven't ran in five years. I'm pretty sure I could still go out and run a mile. Just You just don't quit until you get there. And that's what I really liked about that. And yeah, I was training to do a, they do what they call a heavy, a tough, and a light, where you do a 24-hour event, you get two hours off. You do a 12-hour event, you get two hours off. And they do an eight-hour event. It's all back to back to back. Wow. And I was probably in the best shape of my life. And I'd been training for this thing for three months, and I was just totally psyched to go do it. And the guy I normally carry is about 6'8", and probably 240. I'd done three events with him. He's like, all right, you ready? And I'm like, I'm not going to pick you up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry somebody lighter because I'm going to try to save myself. And that's the only time I've ever done that at one of these events. And when I bent down, and he had to carry the guy for a block to do a buddy carry. And when I bent down to pick him up, he jumped, and it off, basically kind of kicked me off to the right onto my right leg and made a loud snapping sound. I blew my ACL. And Uh. (laughs) yeah. And that was like the one thing, like I felt like that's the one sport or type event that I was really good at. So that was kind of disheartening to lose that. And I decided I probably shouldn't carry adults anymore. So now you just worked that right foot on the gas pedal. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We were, you and I went down to uh, Texas in 2019 down to Weatherford. Oh, um, Bucky's. Uh, okay. So unsponsored, but <laughs> <laughs> if you're ever in Texas, Bucky's brisket burritos. <laughs> oh man. The, the best brisket I've ever had in my life. If the owner of Bucky's <laughs> is calling, I would gladly put a Bucky sticker on the side of my car for life. Town, what city? Where is That's it? Right. it all, well, they're all over Texas. Oh, and okay. I think there may be one in Alabama now, uh, maybe in Florida, but the, the Texas Bucky's are it. Um, it, it maybe it's Craig, like, Craig, Craig Gaultier. He might know where it is. <laughs> He's from Texas. I, I think you, if you run I ten at all, you know where it is. Um, we were down there, and uh, I'm I've been a podcast junkie forever. Uh, probably twelve years I've been kind of into podcasting, and then we started the studio in 2015, 16, um, making podcasts. And so uh, we were talking, and you're like, "Hey, yeah, there's there's racing podcasts that I that, that I listen to, and it, it's all these guys know what they're talking about, um, but the audio isn't always awesome." Uh, and so we listened to it, and it, it's true. It's not always awesome. But the content was good. And then uh, they, it ended up ending, and Brian came to me and was like, yeah, I, I met this guy uh, from New Jersey, and uh, we, we may want to start a, uh, a podcast to kind of replace, fill the void that's there. Um, how did that come about that you guys, because it was you, Bobby, that he, was, he had met. How did that meeting happen? Well... You could say we met online. Yeah. <laughs> I swiped is that, is that right the, when I saw him. He read my he read my powerful message and he just profile said he liked long walks on the beach. I live right near a beach. It was just perfect. You know? It was destiny. <laughs> Wonderful. I Brian, what happened? I, I was like a class racer post where I think mind so. you, I I didn't even know there was I, I feel like a schmuck. I didn't even know there was a uh uh, podcast before, so, I'll, so I'll, I hadn't heard. I'm going to call you out, Bobby. Have you still ever listened to a whole episode of that class, that podcast? Uh, not a whole episode, no, <laughs> no. I lived by that thing. Like, I don't is knowing nothing about racing. I like to try to suck that stuff in, and I love those guys. Like, they actually knew about racing, and I like, should, I should listen to it. I, pro- I would probably learn something. I mean, um, it was Aaron and Chuck, right? It was yeah. Ch- Charlie Downing and Aaron Allison and. No, I never listened to it. I just 
posted something where it's I, I don't know why I even said it. Like I should start a podcast or we should bring back a. I I, I thought I said somebody should bring back a podcast, and then I got a message from somebody named Brian Anderson from South Dakota. I thought it was spam. I didn't even middle of nowhere person. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, he said, it, it said I've, I, I know somebody, I have I've, the equipment, and let me know if you want to do it. And I, I was like, a message, nah, I have $200 million in a Sudin. In Nigeria. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, so I was running the Class Racer Nationals in New Media, and I got a Facebook message from this Brian Anderson. I was like, all right, maybe he's a real person. I don't know. And, uh, and then you, well, you called me, and we talked about it. And I was like, no. I don't think I have time for a podcast. That's like a lot of work. I got a tutoring business. Um, I'm trying to race cars. I'm living between Pennsylvania and New Jersey, two states right now. Like life is too crazy. And then Brian just, I don't know, talked me into it. He he had me meet. He told me what a professional Craig was. And then I was like, all right, I got to do it. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. all I remember. That's and then, pretty and then much like it. a Monday, the next Monday we were all, doing a podcast with Mike Manns. So it, it was a pretty quick uh, process. And now Bobby knows there's not a lot of thought process. It's just, let's do it. Oh boy. <laughs> this is how Brian operates. <laughs> oh, I want to start racing. Yep. I'm in. Let's go to stock limiter. That looks like an easy <laughs> class to start in. Hey. Yeah. You need 18 years to think about it. Like I had to do. <laughs> let's just start a podcast. Why not? Can't be that hard. Well, I will say, like, Charlie and Aaron definitely made it look a lot easier than it is. Like, their distinct advantage is actually knowing racing and being through it and having the connections, like. But I I was originally was thinking, like, class racing for dummies. Like, how? Because there's got to be other morons out there like me that have no foundation in this that want to learn about it. So I want to, like, break it down simple. Like, how many times have we talked about something, Bobby, and I'm like, I don't care about that. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like, oh, wait. Um, that happened just a few minutes ago before yeah. we started recording. <laughs> you know, like... Happens all the time. Right. <laughs> simplify it down, dumb it down, and let's try to help everyone, you know? You know, I kind of like when he does that, because then it makes me step back and think, you know what? Maybe I'm just overthinking this right now. Brian's looking at it from the 35,000-foot uh, altitude, and, um, and... And you've got a magnifying glass. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's been a lot of fun. I know it is a lot of work. Like I never realized. Like I have a whole new appreciation for what it takes to make that go on. I thought you just push play and listen to it. It sounded really simple, but there's a lot of behind the scenes, and it does take a lot of time. But it's it's definitely been a lot of fun. I I remember when we originally talked about doing. It, I'm like, yeah, let's do it like once a month. And of course, Craig's like, no, you can't do that. You have to be consistent. Well, I'm not consistent about anything in my life. Why would I want to do it about a podcast? <laughs> but. It has been a lot of fun. Well, and and it's really kind of proven that there is a void in the uh, in in this very niche market of uh, or this area of racing. Um, just watching your Facebook community grow, and and that become what it is, and the interaction between the people in there, the interaction with you guys on that feed, um, the guests, Bobby, what in the world have you done? What kind of voodoo do you do to get some of these guests? This is phenomenal. Um, I mean, who can go and get the, the, the national champions and say, yeah, come on, our podcast is brand new. Maybe it just well, that was, Yeah, that was Brian working some magic uh, <laughs> in the beginning. And then after we got rolling a little bit, you know, then it, it, 
it started to get a little bit easier. Maybe there's and, just a huge void for people in our class. Uh, we just want our voices heard. <laughs> you guys feel left out. We don't get any pick TV me, time, so we'll just go on any random podcast. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely took some persuading. I had to send, you know, two or three Facebook messages to some of these people. Oh, man. And, yeah. Begging, pleading, throwing emojis in there, you know. <laughs> The cry face one? What is that? <laughs> the um, red cheeks after they say yes. Yes. Oh, so nice. Uh, all right. So where do you guys, you know, that we started in well, October, September, I think. I, I should know this for crying out loud. Um, through 2020, I mean, that's been a crazy year um, in the political world. In Heck, every state has different lockdown rules now and there's a whole ton of new restrictions because of the COVID-19 thing. Um, What's that? It's a thing. Is it? Um, I think so. Oh, is it a thing here in South Dakota? Uh, it, well, it is, but <laughs> we don't have the same controls, luckily, um, that other states might have. <clears throat> Where, like, what's your vision? You know, Brian, you talked about the, the initial thought of a, a racing for dummies idea, you know, so you can really get information on what this is, what it's about, how you can, uh, you know, get better. And then bringing on some of the, the, some of the, the most brilliant minds in this piece of it, I think is awesome. Talking directly to the champions. Hey, what do you guys do? What are your routines? And having them willing to actually answer the question and not be so secretive that, oh, we can't talk about it because you might take something. No, it, it's a community. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, where do you guys see this going in 2021? Um, and like, where do you want it to be when we're here in 22? Like looking back on it, you know, what makes this next year successful to you guys? The interesting thing will be now that everybody is so educated from all of our many, many listeners. <laughs> if racing gets that much more tough this summer, I don't know if we'll be able to get any guests cause they're not going to want to tell you more secrets. <laughs> like we're literally creating generations of super racers now that listen, all of our listeners are going to be that much better. Like the, the, okay, molding racing minds. Yeah. That's what we do here. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, if you There's, liked our page, I know you're gonna win more. It's <laughs> a great marketing play. Like, to win more, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll get you in on the ground level. <laughs> no, I, 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 I want to take this to a whole new level. I mean, right now we're reaching twenty five thousand people a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, just just on Facebook insights we're reaching twenty five thousand people a month and we're actually um uh we're at twenty six thousand people uh the month before so we're reaching a lot of people and we have a lot of listeners we have listeners that are giving us feedback i mean we have some listeners that want us to get more technical with our guests ask them about their combos ask them about you know more more of the intric intricacies of their motors we have guests that are uh, i'm sorry we have listeners that want us to get more personable, you know, with the, with the, uh, guest, ask them what, what their, I don't know what their favorite hobby is outside of racing. So maybe that's our new own look. You can ask all the techie crap and I'll ask them what their favorite <laughs> thing to cook is. <laughs> I mean, we, we do try to, we, we get the feedback and we do try to build on it. We want our audience to, you know, appreciate the product that we're putting out there. And I would like to take it to the next level, live reporting. We have some big money races coming up this year for stock and super stock. 
on top of the regular NHRA and association races, I like to provide video. I like to provide interviews from those races. I want to just be on the scene. I want our site to be the number one site, the go-to site for any of the live action that's going on, um, any interviews that are being conducted. And on top of that, I want to reward, you know, top qualifiers, winners, class winners. We want to give them um, the notice that they deserve, you know, on our, on our site, on our real website. When we finish that on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, we want, you know, this is a class racing like family here and we, we want everyone to be involved. And I encourage users and people that are at races, post your photos on our page, use our page as a platform to put the videos up, put your, put your posts up, let us know who won if we're not getting on top of it, uh, quickly enough. Um, that's where Nitro Joe has really, uh, helped us out too. He, he knows things, you know, right away, right as they're happening. And he's just the stat man. Um, so we, we like to work with him and, and get his, um, help and insight as well. I think, uh, there's a real need. I mean, there's, I wouldn't say a need, People like talk about class racing, and that's probably the fun part is I like the stories. I like to learn the history. It's not knowing, you know, I know nothing about it. It just, I don't think I've talked to any of our guests and not picked something out. I mean, I get a lot of people have been doing this for a long time, and Bobby, I know you know how to do everything already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I, that's kind of my goal is I want every episode there be something that somebody can get out of it to help make themselves more competitive. Um whether it's just an idea or maybe looking at a different concept of way of looking at things. I mean, that's kind of what I get out of it. I'm excited this year, hopefully, um, that we'll be able to race. I mean, we'll be able to race here. Our association races will happen, but as far as NHRA stuff, I'm kind of skeptical. But I want to be able to go, like, on the track. Like, there's some guys out there that I really want to talk to that are just awesome salt-of-the-earth people that get not very much publicity. You don't hear their names, but they're kind of the backbone of what's happening. And I think to be able to go live on location or not necessarily even live, but just talk to them and get their outlook on things that are happening. That's, that's what I really look forward to doing. You know, I, this is hard. I mean, it's not like Bobby can just run right into the studio. So the things I don't like, I'd like to change is, you know, there's some inherent video lag and audio lag and some of that stuff. It's tough to do this the way we're doing it. We've been trying to upgrade things and make the better product. Um, I want the best quality sounding we can get with some of the best information put into it. Um, and there's been some hurdles, like I said, sometimes Facebook is, I could see maybe going away from the Facebook live. I'd maybe like to push more to the YouTube just to get a little better quality, but it's tough. Like I never realized how much behind the scenes goes into producing something like this. And that's why I was hoping we'd get Craig on board because he would just do it all and it would magically happen and sound amazing. But <laughs> magic um there is a uh a, you know there are costs associated with hosting the show and uh, the time put in to get the data put together and um you know so that's something that uh we are as a as the team of three of us really i mean you guys are the you're the talkers but i mean you've you've been kind enough to bring me in on a lot of this um you know that's the conversation. Where do, where does it go at the uh, at at the investment level? Like how what can we do to encourage um, 
investment to make to help make this better. And what, one of the things that we have talked about is having a few uh, sponsor spots, and that's something that that will be happening in the 2021. Um, ClassRacingToday.com or at gmail.com is the email address. If you're interested in that information, you can certainly send a message there, and we'll uh, get back to you with uh, what that looks like um, and start that conversation with you. Uh, otherwise, there is the option we're we're adding this month in January 2021. Uh, the option for you as the listener directly, um, if you get value out of the show and you like what we're doing and you want to help it get better, um, you'll have the opportunity to to directly help fund the show and become a, a producer of the show. Uh, and that doesn't always have to be monetarily. Uh, that can be information. That can be uh, insight. Um, and uh, again, that same email address for information. If you've got um, you know, tips on who, what you can do. You've got leads on who maybe to talk to, to get more information about different tracks and different races that are happening. Uh, classracingtoday at gmail.com is the email for that as well. Um, but just keep in mind that, that this is put together for you, the listener to, to get, get information, be able to hear from the, the, the players in the industry and in the, uh, in, in the field of class racing and stock and super stock. So, um, you know, don't feel bad um, about about helping out. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's been wild for me though because I know about this much. Zippo. Slightly, I know slightly more than Craig. <laughs> you know barely enough more, more than me. And we've had several like over lunch conversations where Brian's breaking down the details on the the light times, and uh, he was you know oh seven. And I'm like, are you speaking Chinese to me? What is this? And so for me, it's been quite the education, just listening in uh, to hear the two of you talk back and forth about what's going on. And then when you bring in the, the, the people that are in the deep in the weeds, the McLaughlins, the Mans, the Baders of the world that are in deep in different aspects of it, uh, it just it's kind of mind blowing. So I'm learning a lot and I don't even race. <laughs> And wait till you see the guests that we have lined up, oh, man. Uh, how deep into it they are. So I'm really <laughs> excited about uh, about some of the uh, guests that will be coming on in January and February. That's awesome. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's already it's crazy to think, you know, we're what just about through January. February is a short month. I mean, there's a lot of people better be in the shop working on their cars because we got some big money races happening and. Before we know it, it's going to be April, May, and we're going to be in the midst of it. And then we'll have, uh, I'm sure, lots of shenanigans to talk about, too. <laughs> shenanigans and just the whole grade point um, debacle right now. Well, not really a debacle. It's just the demand to race stock and super stock. The Gator Nationals filled up on day one, grade eight, in two hours. So that's how many people want to get out and race. And it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. So by filled up that means if anyone else wants in there you can't. You can't get in. Right. The Gator Nationals which is in Gainesville, Florida, March uh, 11th to the 14th. They're taking 60 super stock cars and they're taking 60 stockers. And right now there are 66 stockers entered. So if somebody like myself or Brian would want to get in, seven people would have to drop out for us to, to for a spot to open up for one of us. Um, Superstock has 63 cars entered, 
and a 60 car quota. Now, the reason that there's more entries than there are quotas, if you're a previous world champion, you don't need grade points anymore. You, you can get in whenever you want. And if you're last year's champion um, in a division, you can get in any race you want this year also. Is this a new uh, system, a new way to do it, or is this how they? No, nah, this do has it? been around. This has been around for many years. The grade point. So you get a grade point for every race that you hit, whether an NHRA race that you hit. So an NHRA divisional gets you one grade point, and National Open gets you another grade point. So, and if you run two categories like I do, if I bring a stock and super stock car to that race, I get two grade points, and I'm allowed to combine them um, to enter one car if I want to. Hmm. If I want to try and get two cars in, like I, I try every year to get both my cars into the nationals at Maple Grove, I have to, they have to remain split. So I have four grade points in stock and like three grade points in super stock. So I'm kind of in no man's land. It's very hard to get in those categories with four and three. I'll have to combine for a seven and just pick a category, mm. which will probably be super stock because stock is filling up at eight right now. So I don't even have enough to get in stock anymore. Wow. So it's so, a lot due, partly due, I mean, mostly due to the reduced quotas. When I started in 2009, they would take 100 cars in stock and 100 cars in super stock. Now they're only taking 60. Why? I don't know if it's TV schedule time. I don't know if they just, they don't want to. A lot of it, I think, is the TV schedule has to be so like rigid that they can't take any chances. They can't have a whole lot of cars. They can't have seven round races in stock and super stock they need six rounds they want to get through the program quickly and if there's any rain or anything like that they still want to try and get the program finished on sunday and not keep us there till monday or tuesday hmm. but what if when we were allowing 100 cars in each category we were still finishing on sunday so really it doesn't make sense to me i think it's a little ridiculous some i'm fortunate where i live uh i have like four or five tracks within two hours of my house but brian has not that many tracks around him. He has, would have to do so much traveling to try and get eight mm -hmm. grade points for him to run his home national event, which is in Brainerd. And it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't know if you say unfair, but a guy from, I don't know, division one over here that can hit eight races much easier than Brian can. will get into Brainerd if he feels like making that trip before Brian will. Yeah. I'd have to do, I'd have to do Brainerd, Earlville. Uh, Great Ben, Topeka. Right, it's it would be really tough. You have to travel and put a lot of miles on. I mean, Earlville's eight hours, and that's the second closest in HRA track to me. Brainerd, well, uh, Brainerd's a potential, three a, a potential uh, guest. You know, we we obviously try to get stock and super stock drivers on here, but I I took a leap of faith and had Mister Bader on here a couple weeks ago. And we're at 9,300 views on that episode already. Why, so, why'd you have to go and get him? You know how much harder that made the rest of our job? I know. Like, but it's, <laughs> but that was a, a case in point where I thought this would be somebody that we should all hear from. Well, mm -hmm. I want to hear from an NHRA board member or employee or, or tech official. I want to hear from them. We have a lot of questions. Not to bash them in any way, just, just questions that we all have. Like That would be another great episode, I think to have somebody on that could explain a couple of things to us, why these quotas are what they are. Instead of us just surmising what we think or, or why we think that the quotas are this low, like maybe there's another reason that we just have no clue of. And also, you know me, I want to talk to Bohannon again about his race, Bo Butner. I'd like to know more about their race. 
you know, I want to help promote them and talk about them and hopefully, you know, wish them the most success too, just because there's, there's no such thing as bad publicity in our, our class racing right now. I mean, of course the association that's near and dear to my heart because I can race 10 races within the eight hours, you know, all season. So that's, I'd like to get those guys on and talk about what makes Midwest class racers so successful. Like, I mean, there's other associations out there that would probably use the input too. Right. And I would like to highlight all, all the associations, trying to help them out as best we can. Well, it sounds like 21 is going to be uh, a, a good year. <laughs> no uh, <laughs> no advertising yet. sponsorship there <laughs> um, for, for Glass Racing today. Um, it is exciting, and um, I'm looking forward to it just to, to get more insight just on my end because, I, again, I don't know nothing. So it's kind of I mean, fun. Rust, Rusty Glidden did like one of my Facebook posts yesterday. I mean, ooh, well, uh, <laughs> I'll reach that? out to him. <laughs> Who is that? That is Bob Glidden's son. Ugh. Well, that makes it no less. But that was did not a clarifying at all. Do you know who Bob Glidden is, Brian? Nope. Mm. All right, story for another time then. <laughs> well, we probably should uh, should wrap this first of the year show up. Uh, I I really push these guys to uh, to get on here and talk about themselves because I think it's nice to know who the you know what the point like how did this show start, who you guys are, what you're doing, what you think about, um, and just to to make it a little more real. You guys have been great being in the Facebook community um, and keep that up definitely. Uh, but I just wanted to give people a little insight into you because I've gotten to know you guys both and uh, you seem kind of cool. So uh, any last thoughts before we uh, wrap this New Year's episode, gentlemen? No, we just want to thank uh, our listeners. Uh, anybody that's given us insight, anybody that's suggested a guest, um, anybody that wants to come on the show, keep you know, keep talking to us, Keep keep filling us in. And we appreciate it. I want to thank all the guests that have been on. I mean, that's really what makes it that easy. Like, it's not that hard to sit here and have a really great guest that I just appreciate their time. Like, it, a million things going on, and there's lots of stuff to do. So I just appreciate everybody that's come on and give us some of their time and shared their knowledge with us. This is the Class Racing Today podcast. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Um... ClassRacingToday.com is the website. ClassRacingToday at gmail.com is the email if you uh, want to send some uh, some good words. Always remember uh, on the Apple Podcast Store, if you rate it, give it a like uh, and give it a review. That's a good way to push it up there um, and get more and more people to listen to the show. Have a great, uh, great 2021. We look forward to what's next and what's coming up. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. See you later.